Greetings and welcome to the Cross Players Playlist Podcast. My name is Jason and we are here to decide on the games that will make up the playlist for January 2022. With normally the help of a member of the Cross Players uh, team member, but this month I have two guests who are bringing their game choices. And those guests are Paul Hellman and Sean Scaperhorn, the developers of the outstanding, amazing platform game Horace. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yes, hello. Um, I was just wondering before we uh, we delve into uh, Horace and uh, obviously the game picks that you've uh, brought with you, I just wondered uh, if you can tell us uh, a little bit about yourselves and your gaming history. Let's start with you, Sean. Okay. Uh, well, um, obviously, I've been into games since I was a wee one. Um, I've Commodore VIC-20 when I was probably seven or eight years old, um, which was far too long ago now, I mean, <laughs> 41 yeah. years ago. That's crazy, right? Yeah, that's just mad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just kind of stuck with games. You know, you know, at school, it was always, you know, I always wanted to be uh, a games program. That's all I wanted to do. Um, and eventually, that's that's what happened. So uh, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> A lot of uh, hard work and what have you. We've uh, we've we got to where we are today. <laughs> that's a that's a beautiful story. It's not often you hear people actually managing to get to do what they wanted to do uh, from from leaving school. Yes, it, no, I mean it went via university and stuff, and a, a slight de- detour into like the uh, the business world where I I spent um, two or three years writing software to control check printers. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> That was that was interesting in its own way, but <laughs> yeah. uh, not not quite the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and what about yourself, Paul? And yeah, well, yeah, quite similar to Sean. Um, I started with the Commodore sixty four, um, and uh, my main background was in art and stuff. So I left school at sixteen and briefly went to art college for. A few months before um, we amicably parted ways, <laughs> shall we say? Um, I didn't go very often, so they suggested that I stop going altogether. Um, yeah, they had lessons first thing in the afternoon, didn't they? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the, the, the other problem, from my point of view, was that um, I had to travel from uh, where I am in Sittingbourne um, to Broadstairs. And to get to Broadstairs, I had to go past Margate. And anyone that's been to Margate, certainly in the early 90s as this was, would know um, it's essentially made of arcades. Um, so <laughs> I would often get off the train and stop early, spend my lunch money playing Street Fighter 2 and various other early 90s arcade games, and then get back on the train and go back home again instead of going anywhere near college. <laughs> um that sounds much more enjoyable than college. Oh, it, it, it really was. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't mind art college, but it was a lot of art theory, and all I wanted to do was draw pictures, really. Yeah. So I wasn't too interested in writing about drawing pictures, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I then um, spent a few months sending my CV around to... Um, every company I could find in the back of Edge magazine, um, <laughs> as that was literally the only place that was advertising for video game positions at the time. Um, and yeah, in late 94, um, at the ripe old age of 17, I started working for Probe Entertainment, um, which was, yeah, uh, 
interesting. Um, it was good. As a 17-year-old, it was fantastic. Um, I mean, the, the first thing I worked on was Die Hard Trilogy, um, which was interesting from the point of view of breaking the law every day because I was put in charge of watching the films on repeat and right. screen-grabbing scenes and you know creating textures and things from the films and as i'm sure everyone knows the films are all 18s um so i was literally underage so that was fun (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah was that the best game that you you worked on for probe uh yes i mean um i worked on a few unreleased things um i made a couple of background models and things for extreme g um I did some colour reduction on a load of textures and things for Alien Trilogy. Um Okay, nice. I'm sure there's other things I It was very um uh, sort of rough and ready working at Pro, so yeah. often uh, a producer or whoever would come into our room and be like, uh, anyone fancy doing this? Um you'd get the chance just to do something random for the day or something, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was always quite fun. Mm. Um Keeps the day interesting, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it allowed me to learn a lot of things um, from, you know, art, 2D, 3D, um, to sound production and music and, I don't know, even a bit of coding and other bits and bobs. Um, you know, as, as long as you were willing to get your hands dirty, you could kind of do whatever you wanted, really. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So it's always good to show your enthusiasm to jump in and do whatever you can. Exactly. Um, just just to impress the, the bosses to... Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> what about yourself, Sean? Did you did you um, ever get to work on anything interesting? Uh, so yeah, over the years, um, I worked on a mobile uh, phone version of Metal Gear Solid. Believe it or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, how was that? Uh, yes, it was interesting. Um, we this was for a class of um, mobile phones called Brew, um, which never really got much of a, a foothold in the UK. Um, I think there were a handful of them released over here, but not very many. Um, but they were quite big in Japan um, and in the US. Uh, so, yeah, we ended up... Uh, I was working for a company called Ideaworks at the time, which um, became Marmalade Studios. Um, and, uh, yeah, we ended up going over to Japan and I got to meet Hideo Kojima and all sorts of nice things. Nice. Very <laughs> exciting. How, how was the man in person? Was he... Uh... Um, he was, as nice uh, as he comes across? Yes, he was a very, very nice, very polite man. We, we didn't get to speak to him very long. Um, no. he, um, we, we were in a big meeting with like about, about 20 people in there. Uh, and then he came in uh, probably about halfway through the meeting, said a, a few nice things about what we've done so far about the game, which was, was nice to hear. Um, yeah, I, I, I can imagine did, that's quite nerve-wracking, I guess. You're working on his game. Yeah, it was quite quite nerve wracking, really. Um, you didn't know quite what to do, um, and uh, yeah, we did the the little kind of uh, um, Japanese kind of business card swap where everybody yeah does the little um, sort of two handed swap of business cards, and uh, yeah, you, you um, yeah, and <laughs> so somewhere I've got his business card still. I'm not sure where, what's happened <laughs> somewhere around the house. <laughs> no, no uh, selfie. Uh, I think we had a group shot with him. Oh, okay. But uh, but not long after that, he he was probably in the meeting for about twenty thirty minutes, and then yeah. uh, 
was called off to other things. So, uh, yeah. Exciting. Yeah, that's probably the, the, the highest profile thing. Yeah. And what's been, um, what was your favourite thing to work on in your career so far? To be honest, uh, I think it's going to have to be Horace. Oh, okay. Just Good because, answer. well, it, yeah, I mean, and I'm saying that truthfully just because whilst it was more Paul's baby, the way I always described it was that Paul's the father of the game and I'm the, the happy uncle that comes in and <laughs> helps out. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, I mean, that, that we had so much fun writing that game. Um, it, it reminded me of the old days when we, um, you know, my first job was, like Paul said, was uh, Picture House Software when we were writing a game called Terracon for the PlayStation 1. And that's where we met. Um, and yeah, and it, it basically brought back happy memories of, of, of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, excellent. Well, I look forward to um, delving into that a little bit more in a minute. Um, but before we do get to hear more about Horace, I just want to mention our Patreon, where we have a lovely selection of uh, tiers starting from just £2, which will gain you access to all sorts of goodies, including a ton of extra podcasts and pre-pod shows. And to our current patrons, a big thank you from us all. Your support means the world to us, and you're all amazing people. Now, let's get to know our guests and, of course, Horace a little bit more before we hear their game choices. And, uh, guys, I just want to start by asking, how did Horace come to be? Ooh, um, 2010... I had a break in various bits of freelance work, which I was doing. Um, I'd literally just finished working on the absolutely atrocious Doctor Who game for the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe that's still voted one of the worst games ever, so I'm quite proud of that. Um, mm, I would be. I, would be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I only made some background elements, so I'm really not responsible for that game at all. Um, but yeah, I, I had a, a break of a a few months um, and decided to dabble in trying to make something um, small. <laughs> so I, I was looking through engines and stuff which I could use. Um, I ended up downloading Game Maker um, and uh, I thought, right, what's, what's a good place to start? And one of my favourite games when I was uh, sort of eight, when I got my Commodore 64, um, was Jet Set Willy. So I thought, oh, I know, I'll make a little man in a hat going around a big house, mm -hmm. picking up items. Um, and then it sprawled all out of control and turned into Horus, <laughs> basically. Uh, and, um, you know, when you, when you were trying to come up, I guess you kind of answered this question a little bit, but like uh, coming up with the design of Horus himself, was that, you know, something that was quite a long time to take to, to, to do? Um Kind of. Um, I, one of my favorite films is Being There, the old Peter Sellers, um, sort of satirical thing. Um, and I was watching that and it suddenly occurred to me that his silhouette is quite similar to Jet Set Willy. Um, mm -hmm. although Jet Set Willy probably has a top hat, um, it's quite short. So it looks more like a sort of bowler hat or a Homburg or something. Um, and it suddenly struck me that the Peter Sellers character, um, Chance, in being there, um, would work quite well in the plot, which I'd roughly worked out with the idea of a, a robot coming to life and all this sort of stuff. Um, 
so basically I dressed a golden robot as Peter Sellers <laughs> from being there. <laughs> and the, 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 the rest is Horace history, shall we say? <laughs> no, it's, it's just a really unique design and uh, it, it's just something that really sticks out as soon as you start the game. So it was just very intrigued to hear how, how that design came up. Um, the storytelling in the game is, is some of the best I've experienced in a video game. Uh, some genuinely laugh out loud moments uh, to some of the saddest. In a short space of time, I felt connected to the characters. And one of the biggest pulls for me to continue playing was to see what was to happen to these characters. How hard was it for you guys to write this game and to complete like, this character design that, that you included in the game? Um, I, um, not to denigrate Sean's efforts, um, but I wrote the entire script myself. Um, and I hadn't written anything since I left school with a C in GCSE English. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm always very pleased when people say that it's, it's, it's well written and stuff. Um, yeah. Cause to be honest, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing when I started. Um, other than the fact that I read a lot and watch an insane amount of television and films. Um, mm -hmm. So I roughly knew... Um, I didn't necessarily know what was right, but I certainly knew what was wrong <laughs> when, when I began writing, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, well, once I, I hit on the idea of Horace himself um, being incredibly naive, not understanding the world, um, it was just a very, um, not necessarily easy, but quite a straightforward narrative hook um, to have him explain things in the way that he understands it. Um, yeah. Obviously quite, quite a lot of the comedy comes from the fact that he's an incredibly unreliable narrator. He doesn't really understand what's going on half the time, um, but then the player can see what's going on in the actual cutscene yeah. as, as he describes it kind of wrong. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's what one of the things that make it really work, though. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think that, that's the other thing. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of sitcoms and, um, sort of cozy family sitcoms. Um, so I really wanted to write something with a kind of wacky family. Mm -hmm. Um, not too wacky or anything, but, um, you know, as I'm sure you can tell, there, there's pretty standard family archetypes in there. Um, and I didn't think that just works well, obviously, with Horace being the, the sort of youngest child, so to speak. Um, yeah, so, like, was it really hard? I mean, like I say, with the character development that you included in the story, um, I don't know, like, you you obviously had, like, a, a roadmap, or, or did you did it all just kind of just come to you as you were writing it? Um, when I was 12, um, I'm pretty sure it was the last year before GCSEs, um, our English teacher i want to say mr steinson i think that was his name um he got us to write a book effectively across a um uh, uh, like a term um i wrote some fantasy nonsense which i'm sure was absolutely awful if i read it now um but i always remember the one thing which he said when when writing something like a book, um, you should come up with your ideas and then just outline chapters and work through those ideas through individual chapters and expand upon the ideas 
in the chapters themselves. Um, so that's basically all I did. I decided, um, I knew I wanted it to be the life of a robot. Um, yeah, I don't want to give any spoilers, but obviously he's born at the beginning and, mm-hmm. um, I, you know how it ends. I don't want to necessarily give anything <laughs> away. Um, but I knew there were then various points that I wanted for him to learn about, um, life, death, um, he accidentally steals things whilst helping other characters and all this sort of stuff. Um, I, I basically wanted him to have a varied childhood, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, which, as I say, I then sort of basically spread out across the chapters. Um, which, as I'm, as I'm sure you noticed, the, um, the chapters are kind of based on each character, um, as it sort of cycles around. Um, so I then came up with ideas of how those characters would develop. Um, so when you revisit them in a later chapter, um, yeah, obviously, you know, things advance and get more interesting. Um, and I then basically wrote draft after draft after draft for mm. about three years, I think. Oh, wow. Um, so although the, the basic story didn't necessarily change very much, um, yeah. you know, post-apocalyptic nonsense with a robot trying to save the world. Um, but the various lines of dialogue and narration and stuff changed constantly. Yeah. Um, to the point that even when I was recording stuff with the, um, text to voice synth thing, which, um, is the, the robot's voice, um, I would often end up even changing things at the, literally the last second as I was recording because the, text-to-speech thing wasn't always particularly good at pronouncing some words, so mm. often I would have to try and find ways around to right. rephrase things so that it didn't sound absolutely clunky as all hell. See, I, I was going to ask that question, like, who actually voiced Horace, but you've just answered the question. Um, mm. it, it was yourself all the way through? No, it was a um, text-to-speech thing. I don't want to say exactly what it is in case people start using it to make <laughs> the robot swear and stuff. Um, but it was a reasonably cheap, um, like pay for one. Um, so I was able to literally just fight, feed the script through it and tweak accordingly. Oh, that's quite interesting. So was it always the idea or the plan for Horace to narrate the game all the way through? Uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of voice acting. Um, but obviously I, um, I made the first 10-15% of Horace entirely by myself between 2010 and 2015. Um, and obviously I had no budget, um, so there was no chance of me getting any voice actors. Um, I mean, I've played in bands for years, so I can get musicians reasonably cheaply, but mm-hmm. I don't know anyone that does any, any serious acting or anything. So, um, it suddenly struck me one day that obviously if I'm making a game with a robot, um, it's not too hard to get a robot voice. Um, and obviously at first ones, which I tried were completely free, um, and weren't great. I mean, I could have made him sound literally like Stephen Hawking for free, (laughs) but I figured that would have been quite grating. I think people will find his voice a little grating as it is. So any more robotic, I think would have been. Yeah, a little bit over the top for hours and hours of it. Um, mm. but the, the, the one I ended up using had a free version that was very low quality, which we were able to use. And then I was able to pay, uh, it was only just over a thousand pounds for literally 
five hours of voiceover, I think it is, something like that. At cheapest chips at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly compared to hiring a recording studio yeah, and getting so. yeah. an actor in for yeah. two weeks or however long it would take to record that. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and then all the, the, uh, the, the hassle you'd have when you suddenly realise you need to change a bit of the script. And get the yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and retakes and, yeah, and trying to re-edit. Because, um, again, the working with a robot voice, it was very easy to re-edit because I could just chop things around and yeah. it's clunky sounding anyway, so it doesn't matter if the intonation's slightly off. Whereas, obviously, if we got a, a human doing it, it might have sounded a bit strange with starting sentences in weird places and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, because, you know, it was... I think it was another enduring feature of the game where now, where Horace was narrating it's himself the game. And it, I think it really helps the player to connect with him. Um, uh, to, to make you feel emotionally connected to Horace after, after a short space of time because you really feel, um, just really, I don't know. I don't know what, what the word is, but, um, like you're rooting for him. And I'm I'm a big fan of pathos, um, like pathetic characters that you feel sorry for. Um, okay, I mean it doesn't have to be like literally pathetic. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know, obviously you can have big strong characters that are then a bit stupid, and obviously you then mm. feel a bit sorry for them and stuff like that. Um, but this is the thing I, I'm I'm not a big fan of. Um, middle-aged men with beards who are endlessly capable and can fire every gun known to man and all the rest of it yeah. that tend to star in modern video games. <laughs> Not to denigrate any any games that star that character, but that character crops up quite a lot these days. Yeah, no, I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, and it's always good to root for the uh, for the little guy. Yes. One of my favourite uh, parts of the game, of course, were all the old school references that you, you guys managed to cram into this game. And they were quite relentless. <laughs> um, but it made for uh, another fun part of the game because you just wondered what you might see next. Um, <laughs> you know, like like from the TV shows, the cartoons, the old school games. Um, and, and it really helped to like vary the gameplay as well, I think. You know, we have like the Doom-esque section Um like even the manic minor, um, yes. <laughs> part of the game, <laughs> I I just couldn't believe it because um, I mean my one of my first gaming experiences was playing my brother's ZX Spectrum, nice, and he had a copy of uh, Manic Miner on that, and uh, the last thing I I expected to see was a section of Manic Miner in Horace, <laughs> and it just kind of I was just kind of blew my mind. Um, and there was a, a few other areas, obviously, where you incorporated the old school stuff um, that just made me smile as well, you know, because it brought back memories of, of playing these games and watching these shows myself, uh, but to also um, experience it in a, in a slightly new way. So it was really exciting. And I, I kind of wish that you guys could see my reaction when I saw Big Bertha in there. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I kind of lost it to be, to be honest. <laughs> ah, that's excellent. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm amazed at the amount of people that that, that recognise it. To be honest, I, yeah. I always because it, it was it was like a three o'clock in the afternoon on BBC Two mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I did think, a couple. Sorry, I, I think I was going to say I think I think the funny thing about that as well is that 
we would probably both have been like, well, I probably would have been about 15, 16 when Bertha aired. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I was yeah. like 11 or something. I was a bit too old for we, it. We, we were both well too old for it. Somehow yeah. we both know it. <laughs> yeah, it was Roy Kinnear. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the magic charm of uh, Big Bertha, you know, it's all ages. It's all ages. It's all True, right. yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I just didn't realise it was repeated as much. I, I just thought mm. it would have been lost to the, the annals of BBC time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, when when I finished Horace and like I thought back about all those references, um, it must have been a really big challenge to try and incorporate all that into the story. Um, I think, um, I can say this for Sean too, um, the, the main thing was we basically put it in to entertain ourselves and stop okay. us from yeah. going insane <laughs> uh, whenever we would come to a new area like um, you know obviously we had to make shops and we were like oh we need a shopkeeper mm-hmm. let's have the shopkeeper from Mr Ben <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's um, I mean the funny was, thing was once you made a decision like that those those parts then sort of wrote themselves didn't they yeah exactly um, yeah. you know the whole cutscene with suddenly the shopkeeper appeared it was me skirting the the copyright line trying yeah. not to step on the, the, yeah. the Mr. Ben IP too much. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so that, that I think indirectly, that's where we came up with the idea of when you bought something, you went into the changing room to get yes. it fitted. Yep. So, yeah. you know, it, it just kind of worked nicely. Yeah. It, it's, it's the old saying, it, it, it writes itself, which it, it really did once we started dropping references in. Yeah, you know, once we realised it would be good to drop a reference in, as Sean said, we'd often then get ideas from the reference itself. Hmm. Um, I mean, was was there a particular show or, or game or something that you felt like you, you know, was it like a personal one from the, each of you that you said well, we must try and incorporate this into the game? I don't know. Mine tend to be really weird and things <laughs> no one's ever heard of. Um, obviously the. The main character being from a film no one's ever heard of. <laughs> uh, not, not particularly. I mean, I, I think mm. the one that um, I like the most is probably um, the, the 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 Ghost Bastards game, <laughs> Hungry Hungry Ghost Ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just because I'm a massive Ghostbusters fan, so mm-hmm. that that just you know worked brilliantly for me. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Obviously, the other big part of Horace is the platforming sections. And uh, was it always the intention to make it that challenging? Yeah. Um, I, um, I've i always been a big fan of hard games with infinite lives and you know lots of continues and stuff. Um, I mean, I played... Um, yeah, yeah, I want to be the guy um, around the time that I started making Horace... Um, and I thought, right, well, that's insane. I'm never going to make that. Um, and then obviously Meat Boy came out 2010, 11, whatever it was, similar sort of time. And I was like, oh, okay, they, they, they made it that hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I can make it that hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, um, I don't know, just tried to push it without being unfair. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of people seem to think some sections are unfair, but, um, I don't know. I don't think it's impossible to, to get through any of it. No, no, not at all. I mean, I managed to get to the end, so um, if I can do it, then uh, <laughs> I'm sure many other people can too. Uh, looking back, I think one of the sections that I found 
really challenging. I think it was the one where you're swimming with all the fans. Mm. Um, there was quite a lot of curse words. Lots of, <laughs> I've, I've noticed lots of people seem to think that that's tank controls, but it's not. You just mm-hmm. point point the joypad in the direction you want him to swim and he'll rotate around to that direction. Um, yeah. So I think that confuses a lot of people that they're yeah. expecting to, to push right and he'll turn right or push left and he'll turn left. Whereas if you push left, he'll just swim to the left. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah the only other section of the game I think that has caused people real problems has been um, the, uh, the the village fate. And it's obviously anybody who's never played hypersports. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if people don't get the idea, I think it takes them a while to get the idea, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so you, I mean, you. I love the idea of the gravity boots um, and the way it gives the platforming a you know a really interesting twist. Was there other ideas for this that you nearly went for, or was like the gravity the platforming always the plan? Um, when I started making um, the, the the initial you know demo ten fifteen percent. Um, I was teaching myself to code effectively at the same time. So a lot of things which I did was um, sort of experimental to see what worked and what didn't. Um, and I had quite a big list of power-ups, which eventually became all the power-ups in Horace. Um, but the shoes were the most complicated, so I wanted mm. to see how well they would work. Um, so that was the first thing which I really got working. Um and once I realised that they worked as well as they did, um, they basically became sort of the core mechanic for the entire game. Because um, initially they were going to be one of the later power-ups which you got, because um, I thought they would completely break the game and make it really easy to just run around and climb ceilings and all the rest of it. Um, but actually I discovered that there was a lot of gameplay with that mechanic. Um, yeah. So I, I, in my design I kept bringing it forward and forward and forward until I think you get them about 30, 40 minutes into the game, depending on how quickly you get through it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I say, that's that. they just ba- basically became the, the core mechanic. Yeah. Um, it was it was just a pretty cool inclusion into the game for, for me personally, and I'm sure for, for everybody else who's played the game. Um, and, I, it, you know, being able to twist and turn and sometimes just having to just sit there for, for a couple of minutes and think about, where you need to go, and and, and then you realise, oh, okay, I need I need to do this yeah. and do that and <laughs> stuff like that. So it, it made it made you feel uh, good when you actually managed to figure out where you were supposed to go. Yeah, that was the thing. I think we found quite quickly um, that um, just traversing through a room with a few twists like running up walls and onto the ceiling and yeah. sort of back down the other side was more than enough to you know get players going to start with um, yeah. I mean obviously by the end of it it's ridiculously complicated <laughs> yeah. um, but certainly to start with um, you know the first few puzzles which I came up with um, were more than enough um, there's the um, after you get the shoes and wake up in the basement um, the third or fourth screen you get to with a pile of crates that you have to sort of navigate and use the gravity to jump to the other side of the room um i've seen people spend 10 minutes <laughs> trying to get through that bit and then yeah. of course when they do get it they it instantly unlocks that yeah. entire gameplay in their brain and that's right I don't know, yeah. I've, I've just seen people in you know as soon as they get it they get it yeah. if you see what i mean <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, no, that that was uh, a really good part of the game when you realised you could do that. Cool, yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like you say, really opened up the game. And, like, even though sometimes later on in the game um, you were stuck and you really, really were sure to go, and then you remembered you could do that, mm. and you're like, oh, okay. And I think... Yeah. Um, but then obviously you, you being mean, <laughs> but, <laughs> but some uh, quite uh, tricky obstacles in the way or some of them. Yes. Um, that meant you had to like, it was quite a precise, uh, point of where you needed to do the jump to, to get past them. But it was all a good fun. It was all a good fun. It was, uh, it was a challenge and I appreciated the challenge because it made you, feel good when you when you actually manage to to do these sections awesome that i mean that's one thing which i really wanted to do was not have any hand holding um yeah especially when you wake up at that point obviously the the robot himself is uh, completely confused he doesn't know what's going on so I, I wanted the player to have the same thing um and as i'm sure you noticed up until that point um other characters are constantly telling you what to do and you know oh do this do that you know climb this thing you know whatever and at that point, uh, there's no one telling you what to do other than the robot who's just sort of saying, I've got no idea what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. So as you say, I, I really like the idea of the player discovering everything for themselves rather than a text box saying, why not do this? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, I yeah. find that so dull. <laughs> yeah, about, and, and I think it worked as well because you had infinite lives mm. as well and the um, respawning was so quick. Yes, so you didn't really mind dying, yes. If that makes sense. So having yeah, these, I... having these challenging platforming sections and, and all this other stuff you incorporated, um, it didn't feel so frustrating. Yeah, that's that's it. I wanted the player to feel like they, they could experiment and you know play around without being too penalised for mm-hmm. doing it. If you sort of mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was always always happy to uh, find an an, an extra. Um, floating head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always very happy. And I, I felt very confident going into a tricky section when I had two of them. Yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, a quick question about the mini games that you included into the town sections of, of the game, uh, to, to earn money. You know, so you've got like the, the rhythm games with the washing up and working in the post office. Uh, and stuff like that. Were they based on uh, jobs that you'd done in real life, or was it just something you you thought of for the game? Um, the um, the town which you get to um, is based on the high street of Sittingbourne, where I live, um, and Sittingbourne for two or three hundred years made bricks. Um, so I knew I wanted a a brick mini game. So mm-hmm. obviously we have a a, bra- a brick making mini game, um, but then. Um, because of the layout, I knew I wanted a, um, like a job at one end of the high street and a job at the other end of the high street. And it made sense to have a sort of small tea room at one end because, um, I don't know if it's still there actually, but there used to be a nice little bakery up that end of Sittingbourne High Street. Um, and then up the other end, um, although it's sort of round a few roads and stuff, um, is Sittingbourne Post Office. Um, and obviously I already mentioned the post office earlier in the game with Mr. Silton having held it up. Um, so I, I thought that was a nice callback to that. Um, yeah. And 
Um, also, a little bit of world building, it was nice to mention um, things like care packages and people being cut off and other post-apocalyptic stuff. Um, and and just want to have a quick chat about the music in the game. Um, how how did you approach the music in Horus? Um, I have played in bands for twenty five years. Um, I can play. I can get a tune out of most things. Although I play drums as my main instrument, um, so I I I'm I'm reasonably good at composing stuff. Um, so I. Uh, any track you don't recognise is generally written by me, um, and then anything you do re- recognise is me adapting Mozart or Beethoven or mm-hmm. um, Eric Sarty or various other far superior composers to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a couple of questions from our Discord community, and the first one is from Luke, and he's asked, uh, there were some great like Mickey Tate moments, like the step on some parts. Was there a show slash person you couldn't work in, and if not, why? Ooh, struggling to think of anybody that we wanted to put in and didn't. Um, <laughs> um, I, think a, I take the silence as a no. <laughs> no, I was just going to say a, a, a completely obscure one. Um, in the um, washing up mini game job section mm-hmm. um, with the Golden Girls. Um, <laughs> Due to um, the OSW Review podcast, who I've become friends with, um, they refer to... It's a wrestling podcast for people who aren't familiar. Um, They refer to the old ladies... um, Not old ladies. uh, (laughs) The... um, from the past, ladies tag team, um, <laughs> the Golden Girls, uh, not the Golden Girls, the, um, oh, I've forgotten what they're actually called, but they refer to this tag team as the Golden Girls. And one of the members of this tag team, um, was a ladies wrestler called Judy Martin, um, which they refer to as Terminator Judy Martin. Um, <laughs> so I really wanted to make a Terminator poster of Judy Martin to put in the background of this, um, but I, I just never got around to actually drawing her for some reason. Um, and now I've spent probably more time explaining that than I ever did <laughs> into ever actually drawing the thing in the first place. I, I suppose the only, again, sticking with those particular, that particular set of characters, we did talk about putting in the UK version of the Golden Girls, which was oh, Wendy, Wendy we? Craig and stuff, but yeah, we got um, around to doing that. Did Bright, 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 and Bells. Bright and Bells, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I don't think most people would have got that one. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, yeah. no, no, nobody even recognises um, Alvida Saint Pet. No, Wendy Craig. Yeah, can't remember that show. Yeah, that's that's the um, the brick slapping game. The, the 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 men in that. That's the the cast mm-hmm. of Alvida Saint Pet. Sorry, it's not the cast of Alvida Saint Pet. It's um, <laughs> several men who happen to look like the cast of Alvida Saint Pet for copyright reasons. <laughs> He also asked if you, if you could go back to to Horace, um, what would you like to put in it into the game now if you had the chance? Um, there's a cutscene near the end of the game when you're finally reunited with the family and stuff again. I don't want to give anything away, so I won't elaborate mm-hmm. too much. Um, but I always felt that cutscene was a little bit flat, and I wish there was more hugging and stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. 
has been playing on my mind since literally since we released it and I nearly reanimated a few bits for the Switch version but I sort of ran out of time to do that um and it's yeah if we ever get any more time to do any development um that would probably be one of the first things on my list that's interesting um I mean it's I mean is that something that's possible in the future I guess guess you guys wouldn't like release a newer version of Horus at all would you um I I don't know um I mean, we'd, we'd still love to do um, PlayStation and Xbox versions. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to push 505 to to give us the go-ahead on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think crossed. it would be great if you could get it onto Xbox, especially if you could get it onto Game Pass. I think that would just be wonderful for the game. So my the other question that I've got for you is from Ben. He asks, if you were given license to develop a game featuring an existing IP. So so think about, have you ever heard of a game called Cadence of Hyrule? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, of course it's, yeah, the um, like rhythm Zelda. Thing. That's right, yeah, but set yeah. to like um, the Necromancer game, wasn't it? Oh, that's it, yeah, uh, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he wonders which IP would you choose and what would be your twist on it? Oh. See, somebody asked me that before. The, 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 we've only ever done one podcast before, mm-hmm. and somebody did ask that. Oh, really? Um, and I said, Mother, um, like Earthbound. Um, uh, so I'll say that again, but I don't necessarily want to say that. Um, I don't know if Sean has a, a good answer. Uh, not really, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, like I said, Ghostbusters would be fun to have a go with, but mm-hmm. to be honest, I think with the recent film and so on I think they should leave that alone now <laughs> uh, I, I think no because I mean the film's great Afterlife is brilliant oh fair enough uh, 10, <laughs> I was 10, say, 10. We, yeah. we haven't spoken about that I was wondering what, what your opinion was no we haven't have we? Uh, no t- 10 out of 10 from, from, from me oh, awesome good Afterlife. rating good rating I should agree with you on that yeah did a great job on that um, awesome. and I do actually think that yeah it might be better just to let that lie now <laughs> <laughs> you know they're not Oh, of course they're not. No, I mean, yeah, of course they won't. It's funny, well, not, it? not if it was any good and even slightly successful. They'll be yeah. milking that till the cows come home. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's an end credit sequence that kind of phenomenal hints of that. So, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, fair those. Phenomenal. Um, and uh, the only other question I have for you guys is from Lenaina. She wants to hear what your, your favourite holiday drinks are. Oh, like Christmassy thing? Yes. Um, yeah, sorry, she's from Canada, so she... Yes. Sorry, when you said holiday, I was thinking... Like, I was going to say pina colada then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sitting on a beach, sipping yeah. white wine or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've got to say, I'm a big fan of uh, mulled wine. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a big drinker, but I do like a, a warm red wine. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, I, I probably have to go for one of these um, fruit-based ciders that uh, uh, are so popular with the kids these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm surprised none of you said Bailey's because that's the the Christmas tipple, isn't it? Ah, that's true. I always find that a bit cloying, actually. <laughs> my wife, my wife loves it. We've got four bottles sitting in the store and ready to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, so, I just uh, end up there the question section of the podcast by just asking you to uh, if you two are planning on working on anything else now that. You know, Horace is kind of done. Um, it's been out a couple of years now, and I don't know if you 
to have got any ideas on on a new game or, or, or something that you may be working on? Yeah, um, we've been tinkering a little bit. Um, we got a, a sprite moving around a, a little world. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, more platforming. Um, we're thinking of having slight depth to, to the platforming, so sort of 2.5D kind of stuff. Um, but it's all very, very early going at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's exciting to hear that you you you're mucking around with some stuff anyway, and, and mm. coming up with some ideas. So, I mean, you, you have no kind of time frame, I guess, for for. No, it's um, you know I feel guilty asking Sean to do things for free, so it's it's <laughs> sort of whenever we we get together and do a few yeah. bits. Do you think there'll ever be a, a a physical edition of the game come out at all? I mean, fingers crossed, it would be. Um, Absolutely awesome. Again, something which I'm absolutely pushing for. Yeah. Um, be be a, an instant buy for myself and, I'm, and a few others that I know. So um, Awesome. I, I think the market would be there, mm. or the, the demand. Mm. And uh, uh, please do a collector's edition, to, just for me personally. It would be <laughs> kind of cool to have some art cards and a little Horace figure. That would be amazing. Oh, I'd love a little Horace figure. Wouldn't it be yeah. great? Love it. Uh, going back to what what uh, IP we should use, perhaps we should, should do Lego Horace. That would be kind of cool. Yes. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that just writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just, just get a Lego man and put a little cyan bowler hat on him. Job yeah. done. <laughs> done. <laughs> um, and um, the last question I've got is, um, just from each of you, um, looking back at your uh, gaming uh, life, what do you think has been your biggest achievement? Like, you know, even if it's just like getting a platinum on a game or, or you know, something personal in your working relation, working life? Ooh. Um, I mean, uh, other than Horace, because obviously that's a, a given. I don't want to bang on about that yeah. constantly. Um, I mean, when um, Die Hard Trilogy first came out, that, was incredibly thrilling. Um, it wasn't the most critically acclaimed game or anything, but um, it got plenty of eights and a few nine out of tens and stuff. Um, but the main thing was obviously it went on to sell nearly two million copies, I think, mm -hmm. um, to the point that um, literally people didn't believe me um, when... <laughs> I would, you know, obviously I was, I don't know, 18, 19, and I would yeah. meet people and they would say, oh, what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I make video games. Everyone would instantly get really excited and say, oh, awesome, what what have you made? And I said, oh, I, I just finished working on Die Hard Trilogy. And then people would say, oh, bollocks, you didn't work on that. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I have no proof. I mean, if you've got a copy, I can point to my name in the in the credits. Uh -huh. yeah. But other than that, like, what do you want me to say? Yeah, so that, that I mean, the, the disbelief was uh, a good reward, shall we say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, I I think probably just getting to work in the games industry. To be fair, mm -hmm. I mean, it, that seemed, you know, back back then it seemed like an impossibility to even get a foot in the door. Yeah, um, yeah. You could didn't matter how what, you could bring umpteen games yourself at home, but um, it, you know, just getting a job, actually being paid to do it, um, was uh, 
yeah, it just seemed like a special thing that was unachievable. But yeah, yeah. It, if you work hard enough, you, you can do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I see, it, it was such a. I was just going to say it was such a rare sort of position to have in the nineties, um, an actual professional video game developer. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, like I say, when when I would meet new people, um, and I would say. Oh, I, I make video games. Um, people's reaction, I might as well have said to them, I'm an actual wizard. Like, you know, I, I can cast spells. <laughs> the, the reaction people had. Yeah. Uh, back then as well, it was always like a, a thing was if you said to somebody, oh, I worked in video games, if they were a gamer, nine times out of ten, it was like, I've got a great idea for a game. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And generally, they then went on to tell you about a game where you basically got in a car. Yep. <laughs> and drove for a bit, then got out and started shooting guns. Yeah. Um, and then got car. Yeah, basically describing Grand Theft Auto, which. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand Theft Auto only exists because everybody who worked on Grand Theft Auto was told, I've got a great idea. Yeah, by every drunk bloke in a pub. <laughs> yeah. You get in a car, you drive for a bit, and you get out of the car, and you have a fight, you get back in the car, yeah. and you drive for a bit. And of course, we all go, oh, you know, like, right, right making a driving game now, that's a, that's a game in itself, making a yeah. You'd never do two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't make a driving game and a fighting game. <laughs> yeah. Say the team that just made a game with about 15 games in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and it, it must have been quite, it must have been, like you say, a lot harder to get into uh, gaming development back then than it is now. Is that, do you think that's a fair thing to say? Um, well, certainly when, um, I was kicked out of art college. Um, I spoke to my like uh, year tutor or whoever he was, um, Michael Trim. Um, he made models for Thunderbirds. Interestingly enough, cool. Um, yeah, he was awesome. Um, but he, uh, although he kicked me out, he was a really nice bloke and basically said, "Yeah, what do I want to do?" I told him I wanted to make video games. He said he thought I had the artistic ability to do it, but mm-hmm. as he said at the time there were nowhere to study video games. Um, you couldn't get any qualifications in making video games. You were either an artist with a qualification in art or a, a programmer with qualification in computer science or, uh, I don't know, whatever you've got, Sean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that's what I mean, like real real computer programming yeah. rather than like game yeah. stuff, if you know what I mean. Exactly. What a waste of time that was. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, but that's it. Yeah, there was no way of proving you could do what you could do. Like, you know, you didn't get a bit of paper or anything. You just had to sort of turn up and prove you could do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like my children. I mean, you you've got things like Scratch now, and there's uh, other other programs you can use to code with and and make basic games. And obviously, you've got things even on PlayStation like Dreams. Mm. Uh, where you can create games within that game and, and, yeah. and things like that. And it really, uh, helps to give people the tools to be able to do, do their own games and, and get noticed more, I guess, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. And it's quite frustrating that, you know, <laughs> they didn't have, have that back in your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not in the slightest. <laughs> but, but then on, on the other side, it's like, like you said about, um, Edge magazine always having, uh, adverts for, Mm. jobs in, in different gaming companies mm. I much preferred that thing where you kind of wrote directly off to the company and said here's my work you felt like they were seeing what you'd done yes they'd have a look at your CV whereas now yeah. it's all done through agencies and yeah it, mm. something's been lost along the way there yeah yeah uh, quite a lot of things 
be lost over the way, thanks to the internet, I think. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, pros and negatives. Pros and negatives. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to stop interrogating you now uh, to a certain degree, and uh, we're going to move on to the games that you brought for our playlist for January. And uh, the the way it works is you you've both bought a game. Uh, I'm going to ask each of you individually which game that is, and then we'll just have a, a quick chat before we move on to the next one. Um, and uh, you know, t- we w- we want to hear a good pitch for the game that you've chosen because you know we want to we want to make our community want to play this game. Um, I think I think most of this podcast is going to help one of the games to uh, to 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 make people want to play it, but. Uh, I want to hear from Sean first, and uh, I want to hear uh, what game have you chosen for our January playlist? Okay, so my choice is uh, Spider-Man, the Insomniac one on PS4 and PS5. Nice. Uh, So so what was it about this game that that made you choose? Uh, Basically, I I got a PS5 somehow. Uh, Don't know quite how I managed to achieve that, but I managed (laughs) to get one. Yeah. and played through uh, Ratchet and Clank, which was the the game that I wanted it for, mm-hmm. um, and really enjoyed that. And so I'm digging around trying to find another game, and thought, oh, I'll, I'll give Spider Man a go. Everybody says that's good. Um, I kind of missed it on PS4, yeah. Um, so pick that up, and I haven't basically put it down. It's been great. <laughs> um, it's wonderful, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely amazing. It's. Um, I bought. I bought the. The special edition pack that she the, the Miles Morales one, yeah. Um, but I haven't played any of that yet because the first thing it shows you is the story so far, uh, yeah. and it starts showing a load of stuff about Miles Morales and how he becomes Spider Man, yeah. And Peter quite... Parker's there, um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, I want to see that first, so yeah, yeah, because the remastered one, <laughs> uh, Miles Morales' story is quite interwoven into. Um, you know the actual storyline of the of the first Spider-Man game. Yeah, and I really wasn't expecting that at all. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I basically started playing that game. Um, downloaded the, the the remastered version of the of the PS4 game and been playing through that. And uh, yeah, I just think it's really well put together. Um, I've I've never played uh, any of the Grand Theft Auto games, mm-hmm. but, and that's. So Spider-Man for me is kind of allowing me to play what everybody raves about as, Gra- as Grand Theft Auto without having to play Grand Theft Auto. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, without it's, murdering anyone. <laughs> yeah, precisely. It's like, you know, it's all, yeah, okay, it's violent in that you're beating people up and so on, but um, but nobody dies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Spider-Man violence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. And the whole thing's put together a great storyline. Um, yeah, all the cutscenes in there. Uh, seamlessly fit into the gameplay, um, and uh, yeah, you, you get all of the characters that you've, you've ever heard of um, from from Spider Man seem to be in it at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Plus a bunch that I'd never heard of before, um, and uh, yeah, and I think I'm about eighty percent way through the the first game now. Um, so I've just got to the point where New York City's gone to hell, um, and. Uh, all the pe- all the prisoners have broken out of the prison, and you've got to put all that right. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's getting a bit messy. Yes, um, and so I guess you you haven't played the DLC sections of the first game yet either. No, I haven't no. yet. No. So 
It's a meaty package, I must say, for for, for what you get. It's, it's a ton of game. Um, and I haven't personally played Miles Morales uh, game myself yet, but even with that included onto it, it's uh, it's, a, it's a fine collection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man, I think one of the f- things I like about the Spider-Man game myself was, was the actual... Uh, swinging through the city, um, they seem to really just nail what it would be like. To no, I, I totally agree. It's like um, you you feel like you're spying around, flying through the beer, swinging through the uh, the, the city. There, the, the only thing I would say is that when you jump off a massive tall building, mm-hmm. and all you can basically do is dive because there's yes. no other buildings to to web from. Uh-huh. That that is actually quite scary. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you on on all these levels of, of what you said about Spider Man. It's uh, I got absolutely um, what's the word uh, obsessed with with Spider Man, and I couldn't put it down. And it, it got to a point where I, I had to do all the side missions. It was yeah. I kind of wanted to play it that much that. You know, there's there's a lot of these big open worldish kind of games that I leave the side missions to on side because I can't be bothered to do them um, because I just want to do the main storyline and, and finish the game. But with Spider Man, it, it was a different story. Was that the same for you, Sean? Yeah, no, sure. Um, basically, if if it was like I had a couple of hours free to play, then I'd work through story bits. Mm-hmm. If I only had like you know twenty thirty minutes to go, then I'd probably just have a go at doing some of the little side bits. So. You know, take on one of the bases or uh, rescue those damn pigeons. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that that bit was the worst part of the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. recommend the pigeons at all. <laughs> no. um, but uh, but the rest of the game is just beautifully done. Um, the the taskmaster challenges are pretty tricky. Yeah. As well to I mean they're 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 easy enough to do if you just want to, if you if you're content to get one star. <laughs> But if you want to do anything yeah. harder than that, then yeah, you know. no, I was quite happy with the one star. Yeah, fine. exactly. They make you work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, if that if the, if you're going to mark that as complete, I'm, I'm quite happy to to, yeah. to carry on. Thank you. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, all, all in all, um, it, it shows that Insomniac know how to make a good game. Basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and like, like I say, I got so involved in the game that um, it is. It was my first, and still is my only platinum on a on the Sony platform, oh, and well uh, I'm very happy, very happy to uh, to have grabbed that uh, platinum. I think before the DLC dropped, because I think they they included a, a couple more uh, tasks for you to do, and one of them was quite tricky. I think so. Uh, I, I was quite happy to get that in before then. So good luck with that one, Sean. Okay, no, so, I mean, I've got. I think I'm on to six platinums, believe it or not. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, I'm doing quite well, but it's one of them Bloodborne. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, five of them <laughs> are, are various Lego games. Um, oh, okay. Uh, getting a platinum on a Lego game is not really that hard. <laughs> it, now, come on, more don't, don't take it away from yourself. I'm sure they're challenging enough on their own. Oh yeah, I mean, they're great fun. Uh, the Lego games are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't recommend those enough either. Um, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, no. Spider Man's my choice for this. <laughs> Good choice. Um, out of interest, uh, what is your favourite Lego game? Ooh, I think probably the Star Wars one, which was, I think it might have even been PS2, one of the first ones. Oh, okay. Um, 
I'm trying to think which they might there's a the section where basically um there's a cutscene in it where um it it maybe it wasn't the first one. It's the one where it that's got episode three in it. Um and there's a section where basically uh um Anakin becomes Darth Vader at the end of of episode three and it's brilliant he just has this little kind of like hissy fit where he's like chucking stuff around (laughs) he's like no yeah yeah (laughs) like that that, that's one of the best things about about the lego games is how they 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 managed to get away with taking the mick Mm. out of the franchises that they're they're basing the games on yeah and and the marvel (laughs) one was good as well yeah Um, the first marvel one was good yeah um Trying to think that which one, was that like uh, the Avengers game? No, it's the one before that. I think it was just Mark. I think it was just called Marvel Superheroes or something. Oh, okay. I don't think it was the Avengers one. It might have been. I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing that one. It, that was kind of an open worldy kind of game, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that's that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was the Avengers one then. Maybe I could be wrong. Don't don't yeah. hold me to it. It's fine. Um, okay, uh, great choice. And let's move over to Paul. And uh, let's hear which game he would like to put into the playlist for January. Well, we had some fun with that, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, there, there was uh, a couple of other games that you wanted to put in before your final choice, but unfortunately they weren't really games that were widely available. Uh, yeah, I believe they're not really available at all, are they? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, one of them was Earthbound. Uh, yes. and, uh, you know, you, you, you can pick that up on like a Wii U, Wii Virtual Console, I believe. Um, nice. but I mean, the people who own a Wii U these days is yeah. quite minimal. So, yeah. I mean, I, um, I mean, I mentioned when we were chatting before that, um, I've got like a repro cart for, mm-hmm. um, Earthbound and I've got a, um, the fan translation for Mother Three. Um, that was the other game which yeah. I wanted. That was that was the first game which I wanted to pitch, yeah. and then, of course, that's not available anywhere <laughs> in English. Um, no, no matter how many uh, years of pleading people give Nintendo, oh, that signature's up to hundreds of thousands now, millions by now. Oh, is it millions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. Um, I mean, it's yeah. on the SNES Mini as well, I think, isn't it? But. No, I don't suppose oh, you can get true. SNES Mini any day uh, anymore. Yeah, they were a bit limited, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. Yes, so um, because I decided to pick games that no one else can play, um, I then decided to um, turn up to this gig wearing the band T-shirt of the band that's playing, <laughs> um, and I thought I, I would pick Horace itself. Yes. Um, if, if, if I'm allowed to. <laughs> yes, Paul. Yes, you are allowed. It's okay. Well, more, I don't mind using that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would ask, you know, what what was, you know, why did you choose this game to 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 be put into the playlist? But you know, I mean, why why why? I mean, um, uh, let's go. Um, it's a cinematic 2D platform adventure um, consisting yes. of 20 hours of varied gameplay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Um, <laughs> sorry, I suddenly sounded like a carnival barker. Um, <laughs> but um, yes, it's it's a huge game. It's usually reasonably cheap. Um, 
What is it? Wait. 11 quid? Yeah, the full price is eleven ninety nine, I believe. Yeah. Uh, See, yeah. I don't even know the price of my own game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for 20, 25 hours worth of um, platforming and um, various other gameplay styles, there's uh, is it 20, 24, 25 mini games in there. Of um, it's about that, I think, isn't it? We yeah. Take all the variations into account. Yeah. Once we chucked our our version of Tetris in there, I think that took it up to <laughs> yeah. to twenty five. Not Tetris. Um, Not Tetris. Pu- puzzle drop Russian game. <laughs> yeah, what was it called? Golem Volonka. Golem Volonka, which yeah. apparently is is Russian for puzzle. Um, I, I thought that was a good good name. Yeah. Um, yes, um, and other non copyright <laughs> infringing <laughs> games. It's not outrun honest. Um, <laughs> or afterburner. Indeed, no, it's not afterburner. No, no. <laughs> no not at all. <laughs> no, not, so, not even slightly. Um, yes, so if you, if you want a, a varied gameplay experience in um, sort of uh, a retro 16-bit style with lots of nostalgic references to um, 80s, 90s, and I, don't know, I guess early 2000s pop culture music games videos no that was a show on itv um yeah i'm just babbling now trying to <laughs> think of it's reasons fine, yeah. no, that, 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 yeah. that my game's good <laughs> <laughs> we want to get the word out more about horace and get more people playing the game that would be awesome yeah um you know i'm very much with sean hughes who I know is trying to help you guys with, with spreading the word with horace as well yes definitely and uh you know that you know, one of the half of the reason I wanted you guys to come onto the podcast was was to try and spread the word for Horace. The other half just being, you know, uh, personal and just wanted to talk to you guys. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, to 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 be able to try and help to get the word out on Horace and to try and get it into more people's uh, consoles for them to play, uh, the better in my eyes. And, yeah, that'd be great. And for the fact that, you know, you, this is why I'm really happy for you to choose your own game for this, because that means that, uh, this will be a choice for, for the, for our community to play. And, and hopefully some people will, will jump onto it and, and, and take the dive, um, in, into playing Horace. And I am pretty 99% certain that they will all just love it. Even if they don't get all the references, uh, to, <laughs> To, to the 80s and 90s stuff that you guys put in um, just just on the platforming and the general story that, that that's told in this game will um, I'm pretty confident will just swallow them up awesome we hope so indeed <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say as you mentioned Sean Hughes um, he did say we have um a certain amount of Steam keys if any content creators want to get in touch. Um, we'd happily give out a few bits and bobs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if anyone's listening who is who does their own podcast or uh, YouTube streaming or or Twitch, uh, yep. what we call Literally, kids are on these days. Yep. It doesn't, like, uh, you know, we're not looking for famous people or anything, just mm-hmm. anyone that can help <laughs> support us. We're happily give you a, a free game there you go can't say no to that surely no 
Um, okay. Um, I think we've, uh, obviously we, we've talked a lot about Horace and, um, what's involved in it and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, obviously there's not much else that we can say for it really, but, uh, just the fact that I was just so happy that it's going to be in our, in our January playlist. It's, uh, it's made my Christmas. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice surprise for me because I didn't know that's what Paul ended up picking. <laughs> I, I was expecting this to come up with some kind of, uh, of, uh, weird emulation route to, to play, yeah, play mother so. <laughs> well that's that's what i was going to suggest but yeah uh, yeah. yeah unfortunately uh, we have to try and keep it um as you know open you know as we can for guys to, to no, actually pick up the game so i can understand that and obviously if people want to keep an eye on ebay you can pick up a boxed copy of earthbound for what Five oh grand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever it goes for these days. If you want to play it legally, <laughs> I um, I've kind of given up on collecting retro uh, games now because yes, they're getting just a bit too much yeah. in price for for my liking. Uh, yeah, and, and definitely going more down the emulation route. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm I'm very much the same. Yeah, uh, because like you say, the prices these days are just getting stupid and I can't compete with it so about 15 years ago I bought um, the first four fantasy star games for the Mega Drive Mm -hmm. um, the Japanese versions actually from Japan including the Master System version which somehow runs on the Mega Drive I don't know how it works it's voodoo or something Um, um, and I literally bought that including importing it um, from Japan and I think it was around £35 for four games and about 15 quid to get them here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure each one of those games individually is about 40 quid these days if you try and pick them up on eBay. Yeah, yeah it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just insane. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've got a couple of old Amiga games um, up in the loft that uh, I always thought were going to be worth more than they ended up being. But uh, I've got um, Great Guiana Sisters, which nice. you can probably guess what that's based on. Mm. Um, and uh, another one called Denaris, which uh, oh, nice. was, uh, basically uh, like what's the, what's the game called? Um, R type, isn't it? Yeah, like like an R type type thing. R type mm. slash Salamander. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 um, um, yeah. Both of those games were uh, released and swiftly withdrawn from sale because they were <laughs> infringing various copyrights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you got Guyana Sisters. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I, I happened to be in the sh- uh, a shop in Reading at the, uh, at the at the right time. It was just, yeah, yeah, there it was. It was like, oh, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the one weekend it was available, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And, like, <laughs> and I just wanted it because it's Mario. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, see, I I had a a, um, a less than legal copy <laughs> for the Amiga back in the day because um, obviously that was reasonably easy to get hold of. Um, but no, it, it was a great. <laughs> port of Mario to the Amiga <laughs> that, that nobody licensed. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I look back in all the stuff that I bought back in the day, um, console game-wise, and obviously traded them all in for the next big thing because I couldn't afford to just outright buy the consoles and the games when they came out. So, um, But when I think back on, on some of the games and, and consoles that I used to own, kind of keep myself or not keeping mm. them, really, but... Yeah, definitely. It is what it is. And now I'm trying to, uh, like where I say I've given up, kind of like trying to buy retro video games. The only games that I will probably try to buy is Zelda games. Nice. Um, 
and I've, I've got most of the majority of the modern games, but now I'm, I'm on the other end of the scale where I'm trying to pick up, um, like the really old, like original Zelda games and, and, but, uh, Link's Awakening and, and even Link to the Past and all that kind of, those nice, kind of yeah. games that are now reaching quite pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Points. So, uh, are you including the CDI versions? I was going to say that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> awesome. It's an interesting point in Zelda history, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, but I've not looked at those uh, or their prices, and I'm a bit scared because yeah. they're going to be quite pricey. <laughs> if you can even find a CDI player that still works. Mm. That's true. Mm. I just have to emulate them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there must be all sorts of stuff for that these days. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Um, so there's your two games for January. Uh, we have uh, Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5. And we have Horace. So uh, all that's left to uh, decide for January is the Discord bonus game. And uh, I asked the guys in there to come up with some game suggestions, which will be included in a poll, which will go live a day or two after this podcast uh, drops. And the games that they have suggested for next month are It Takes Two, Law Mowing Simulator, uh, Bug Fables, The Gunk, Superliminal, Chicory, and Banjo-Kazooie. Um, any of those games stick out to you guys at all that, that you suggest um, may be a, a worthy winner? What's the lawnmower game? Is that it, the, it, it's literally the... uh, a lawnmowing simulator game. You, you jump on lawnmowers and you oh, mow okay. lawns. Oh, I, I thought it was the... Hover, um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, there's the, um, uh, there was a lawnmower simulator that came with some ZX Spectrum magazine. That um, you pressed one key to make the lawnmower go, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit more involved these days. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I obviously with the the washing up and the rest of it in Horace, I do love a good game based mm-hmm. around mundane activities. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, I haven't I haven't played it personally, but I am quite intrigued. Mm. It's on Game Pass, so you oh, know, okay, if, nice. if you've got Game Pass, then it, it, it's it's a it's an open no brainer to really download and give it a go. Mm. Um, but for a couple of the guys who, who have played it, I said it's, it's just a nice way to end a, a stressful day sometimes, just doing, nice. just doing, playing a game like this, mm. um, quite, uh, calming and, and kind of eases all the stress away from the, from your horrible day that you may have experienced. Yeah. <laughs> is is Banjo Kazooie, uh, currently available game then? That, that one surprised me a little bit. It's um, it's coming available on Switch Online uh, okay. next month, right. so it's it's good timing. So uh, yeah, it will be quite available for for people who have Switch Online to uh, the expansion pass. Unfortunately, um, so you'd have to pay that little bit extra to get the N sixty four games, but um, it, it will be on the Switch for for for, for people who who have that expansion pass to to play. Which I'm quite excited about. Awesome. Yeah. No, I, I remember that being pretty good on the N64 uh, when it first came out. Um, although, having said that, I've been I played uh, Ukulele, which obviously is like yes. a spiritual successor to mm-hmm. it. Um, and I got to admit, I got a little bit bored of that. Yeah. 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 It, the second one that they brought out, the Impossible Layer, was a much better game. Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll give that a try then. 
yeah, because it's more um, uh, more two D platforming, mm-hmm. um, but it's got like a an open world in between levels that you can do some bits and bobs, and you you walk from one level to another in this like three D ish kind of open world, um, and then each level you jump into like a two D level. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So yeah, no, that one was a much better game uh, than the first one. So yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah. Now, it, it, humor humor wise, Ukulele was was great, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just found the gameplay a little bit tedious. So, mm. um, so yeah, the, like I said, that poll will go live a couple of days after this podcast drops. Um, and that's it for for this show. That's all the time we have for. So uh, can I just say a big thank you to the pair of you for uh, creating a game that has given me one of my best experiences, not just in video games, but in storytelling, uh, media in general. I can see the hard work that you've put into this game. And I, as well as a few other people in our community, appreciate the work that you put into this game very much. So as I've got this opportunity, I just want to thank you um, for, for creating Horace. Oh, thank you very much, and Lovely. thanks thank for you. thanks for having us on your on your show. Indeed, yeah, it's been a, been, been a good fun. Mm. Yeah, um, is there anywhere that our good listeners can find you um, on the internet or a website or any kind of work that you uh, want them to check out? And please I go mean, ahead and tell us now. I own paulhelman.co.uk, but there's nothing there. Um, <laughs> there's, there's literally a line of text saying, shh, Paul is busy. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, if people want to follow me or Horace or uh, sort of me and Sean in general, um, Horace Dev, at Horace Dev, sorry, on Twitter is a sort of the main thing. Um, although you have your own Twitter, don't you, Sean? Yes, I've got at, at BigBoo80s um, on Twitter, but I very rarely post anything uh, mm-hmm. And the strange naming convention is just because I, ha- I used to run a, a, an 80s blog a few years back. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's why it's Big Boo. <laughs> I was called Big Boo on that. So, yeah. The amount of times I come across your blog when I'm looking stuff up. You, you, you wrote a thing about something to do with the bin men, which I came across recently. Yes. <laughs> I, think I, did, didn't I? I, I started reading it and then I realised what I was reading. I was like, oh, hang on, this is Sean again. How have I found this? <laughs> Can't get rid of him. No, yeah, it's just... I'm everywhere. <laughs> I did I did have a check out of that Twitter handle earlier today um, and I did notice the uh, amazing Halloween uh, cosplay of, of Horace that you posted on there. That was pretty awesome. Oh, oh, yeah, that was good. I don't know who that was. That was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. It was very, very good. Yeah, that was a full, full body Horace costume. <laughs> yeah, very good. I was very impressed. Um, so yeah, that's where you can go to check out the guys, and uh, you can find me at Gamer Jason UK on Twitter, and you can also find me on the podcast What's Wrong with Wolfie, and the Dreamcast Years, which you can find on Twitter at the Wolfie Pod and Dreamcast Years. Don't forget to check out our Discord at thecrossplayers.com forward slash Discord where you can be part of the discussion, take part in our polls and lots of chat going on about games. Also, don't forget to check out our Patreon as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Go and please check out our website as well at thecrossplayers.com for some uh, wonderfully written content plus links to everything I've mentioned and also to our Redbubble shop. 
And just before I go, I would just like to wish Paul and Sean a Merry Christmas. And to everyone listening, a very Merry Christmas too. I hope it's a good one and we will see you all in 2022 with the Playlist Review Podcast. Um, Guys, yet again, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. And And happy Christmas. Yes, indeed. Happy Christmas. And uh, all that's left for me to say is uh, which game will you be playing first? Thanks very much. Take care. Bye-bye.